Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And I know they're good friends of this gentleman who joins us every Saturday, Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Terry. How are you you know, I'm doing fine, Nate. It's a beautiful day out. This weather's going to change. I know you want to talk elk, and you're probably going to relate to this weather change there also. But after we're done talking elk, I want to talk because I think the weather that's coming in Monday is going to trigger this fall bite. You know, Terry, I think we, we, we can even start with that. I am literally sitting on Pueblo Reservoir right now, and I, it couldn't be more of a traditional fall bite. Uh, you know, we're walleye fishing out here, and it is, it is as if it was December out here. Water's still warm at 63 degrees, but all of our fish are sitting in about as shallow as 28 feet of water and as deep as about 50 feet. Uh, and you literally just drive around. It's like video game fishing. Drive around, find the fish on the graph, drop down a deep water presentation, whether that's jigging spoons or jigging wraps or blade bait. Uh, and these fish are extremely active on them. So uh, it, it couldn't be more traditional as the weather starts to change. Well, you're absolutely right. And you know what? I'm going to create some work for Karen. I know she's listening to me, and she'll be, she's looking at me from the glass. But you folks who want to know more about this jigging spoon bite and the, the way it's happening at Pueblo and will be happening at the other front, front range lakes here soon, I'm going to have Karen post a link to our uh, jigging spoon that Tom Bruno and I did when I wrote the books for In Fishermen. So that'll be up there for you folks to look at very soon. Is that right, Karen? I think she's telling me I'm number one, Nate. But, but anyway, let's get exactly. So, Nate, how's this weather change going to affect Doug? Uh, you know, uh, pronghorn season started today, and I'm sure those guys are in the field. But first rifle season starts next week. How's this going to affect that? In its own fashion. So as far as the hunting goes, uh, you know, today we're actually the colder weather is actually just going to help out uh, everything with you're cutting out a little bit on me, Nate. How about there? Okay. Perfect. Uh, you know, the, the colder weather is going to keep those pronghorns on their feet longer. They're not going to bed down. They're not going to go into any of the ditches or the ravines. So it's really going to help the pronghorn hunt. Uh, but the biggest thing for the elk is it's going gonna, it's gonna to separate, I believe, the bulls from the cows. Tree line type animals. You're 10,000 feet and higher. Uh, I really anticipate this cold front coming through. It's going to probably separate and kind of slow down the run activity on those bigger bulls. So I think you're going to see a, a separation from those bigger bulls to, from the cows uh, this coming week in the high elevation. So that's going to change the game per se. It can help or hurt you depending on your style of hunting. Um, so if you're the, the traditional hunter, you're not going to be able to go look for the big herds and find the big bulls with them. But the advantage is these bulls are going to be solo, they're going to be single. So it's a lot easier to sneak up on these animals, to work these animals, because there's not a ton of eyes in a particular group. So that's the big benefit of this time of year uh, for that separation. However, if you're in that lower elevation, if you're at that 6,000, 8,000 feet, this cold front is going to do nothing but help you. It's going to, number one, it's going to really kind of pursue and kind of keep that rut activity going. So you're going to see these cows going into their second heat and the cows that haven't been bred continue to be kind of in cycle and you're going to see these bulls continue to rut hard continue to be able to 
fine, uh, which is really going to help things out. And the cooler weather is going to keep them out of their beds longer. So that's probably the biggest benefit that we're going to have in this cold weather. Uh, even this week while in the field, our, we're seeing our animals bed down at that still, that 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, these animals are bedded up. As opposed to when we get these colder temperatures, they're going to stay on their feet and out in the open until uh, as late as 10 a.m. So it's going to keep the animals on their feet, giving the hunters almost double the hunting season that they might have had had they not have a cold front coming in. So the, the lower elevation stuff is really going to, going, to, going to reap the benefits of this cold front coming in. You know, I just talking to uh, Brad, the biologist um, um, from uh, the northwest section of the state, Brad Petch, and he made the comment, you know, we've had such warm weather the last couple of years. I know this didn't affect you because of your hunting prowess, but a lot of people didn't harvest elk in the last couple of years. He said, and the numbers are there, but what has happened, we're having more traditional weather. He expects a more traditional season this year, but because of the lack of harvest the last two years, he said the number of quality bulls in the Northwest is way up. Are you seeing that in other parts of the state? Absolutely. I would see statewide. If I had to say, uh, even from 2013, as late back as that, 13, 14, up until this year, um, I would say I'm seeing almost, uh, I mean, uh, 30%, if not just shy of a 30% overall growth that I've been seeing. So, uh, you know, if I'm in a unit that had a, an average, if I had a real big bull harem, and I would say that that big bull used to average 300, I mean, those bulls are dramatically in the mid threes now. So we're we're really seeing an increase on that that, that antler activity, which is great. Um, the other thing that we think we're starting to see with the, the lack of harvest, um, if you're in an area that might not traditionally have big harem, so you look at the area, you know, you have a lot of situations where a three-and-a-half-year-old bull can hold a harem because you have so many cows and so many bulls, you don't get a traditional-style hunt. And with the lack of harvest the last couple of years, we're starting to see those traditional-style harems where you have a herd bull, satellite bulls. And it's kind of nice to see the, the more traditional herd-style animals come with that lack of harvest. Now, I agree 100%. Uh, the colder weather this year is going to bring on a traditional hunt. And the, the biggest seasons that you're really going to see this cold front helping is the migration hunt. So when we consider the migration hunt, that's generally going to be a third or a fourth week tag. That Northwest Territory is, is amazing for us. So you're going to see that crank area, the meter area, everything comes off the flat tops. You're going to see them come out of that bags Wyoming area. Uh, and you're going to see a more traditional style migration that we missed, especially in the last two years. Uh, and sometimes those migrations are responsible for literally thousands of animals being put down. So, uh, I mean, it really can increase the harvest rate when you have that traditional migration. So it's nice to see that. Now, the other big thing that the cold weather uh, is it can drive some, some animals out of the high country. So there's a lot of hunters that might not be physically apt to be able to hike into some of these, you know, hard to reach areas. And if you get enough snow and enough cold, you can push these animals out of those rougher areas, uh, basically exposing them and giving them opportunity to a lot of hunters that might not have that physical ability. Uh, so that's a big benefit that we'll see. I really is to see how much snow we get out of this, what the hike gets and what those cooler temperatures uh, do in your general area to see exactly how it's going to affect them. But again, long story short, the high country, I would anticipate those bulls separate. Uh, the big reason we say that is I, I really use that as a scouting source. So I'm going to be out in the field tomorrow. I'll be out in the field Monday during that storm. But I'm going to really affect the bulls that I've been watching. Is if they separate, I'm going to try to get a good feel of where they go, how they react, how far they're going to travel from those cows, uh, just so I can keep up on it. So if you've been doing your scouting and you're being successful as a scouter and you have an idea of the patterns taking place, uh, I really encourage people, again, 
we always preach 60% of your time scouting, 40% hunting. Uh, the next couple of days are going to be crucial to stay with those animals, know where they're at, uh, just can continue that kind of educational source and know where they're at for that next weekend. So uh, more importantly, anticipate the higher country to have the biggest change and try to stay with those animals if so or if possible to, to your expectations. Uh, you're, I'm sure you're on a couple of big bulls. Do you want to tell me their their GPS location? A few big bulls, and uh, I got to say, I'm very excited for next week. And, you know, we, <laughs> we we had the first season, the muzzleloader season, we always call our revenge season. Uh, but the true revenge season is this Saturday. All the elk that uh, that escaped us and got away from us during archery season, uh, it is now our time to shine. And all the bulls that outwitted us, now you got a, a little better odds at them. So we're excited to get out there at that, that first rifle tag. And yeah, now, Nate, you. You're you're cutting in and out a little bit, Nate. But you were you were also doing some bow um, uh, video casts or anything. Are you doing any more yeah. of that going into rifle? Uh, everybody wants to listen Tuesday in the Colorado region, Pacific Pacific. Uh, you can go to my page. We really lost you there, Nate. Say that again. Can you hear me now? I can now. Yeah. There we go. Uh, you know, we do our we do our live feed on social media every Tuesday. That's going to be 8 p.m. in the Rockies region, 7 p.m. Pacific. But it's on the Nate Zelensky Facebook page, Tightline Outdoors. Uh, you can also go to BowTechArchery.com to their website and watch that live feed and ask questions, interact, and we can really help you out for that. And that's going to go all year. So that's year round every Tuesday at 8 p.m. You can tune in there uh, and get your questions answered. We're going to talk about this type of stuff, the rut activity. Uh, we also see the wind increasing with the storm coming, and it's knocking all the leaves off the aspen trees. And that's going to be another huge help to a lot of us. Uh, to be able to look at hillsides that you might not have been able to look at in the last month or so. We're, we're losing you again, Nate. How about that? I'm still trying it again. How about there? There, I got you. I got one leg in the air, and I got my hand on my head. Yeah, well, you know, you should have a fish on the line. Then I think your rod would act like an antenna. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're working on it. Hey, before I let you go, before we do run out of time, can we switch gears and go back to fishing for a minute? What are you uh, What are you seeing around the state? We talked about Pueblo. It's in its fall bite, which can be one of the best fisheries in the state this time of the year. What else are you seeing? You know, same thing. We saw at Chatfield, I was out there the last two days, uh, and our fish have finally started to move off the shallow water. Uh, even a week ago, we were still catching fish in six to eight feet of water, 10 feet of water. We're seeing a lot of our fish pull in that deeper water. My best depth the last two days was 20 feet. Uh, so we're really seeing a migration from the shallow water off to that deeper water. The shad are finally grouping up, the shad are dropping into deeper water. Uh, so I'd say the walleyes in general across the state are starting that fall pattern. The bait is gathering and moving deeper, and therefore the walleyes are moving deeper. So I would say wherever you have been fishing, you can probably almost double that depth and probably continue to find your patterns and continue to find your fish. Uh, so the deeper water is definitely at play, uh, which is a big benefit to a lot of anglers. So now in the eight foot where we couldn't see them on our graphs because they were scared of the boat, now all of our fish are graphable. So now you can cruise around the boat, find the fish on the electronics, uh, drop down to them, and, and kind of make yourself a little better use of your time, if you would say that. So a uh, lot of opportunity. But again, deeper is definitely the key. So any of the, the jerkbait bites and all this stuff, uh, you can now switch to, to a total daytime bite and put a lot of focus in the deeper water and have great success out there and on all the front range lakes. Anything in the mountains, the trout, the pike? 
the trout and pike are great. So uh, at Spinning Mountain Reservoir, having the opposite effect. Uh, all those fish are basically beginning their fall forage where they're going to bulk up for winter. Uh, and we were catching our trout as deep as 18 to 20 feet. The bulk of our trout fishing now is in four feet to about 12 feet of water. So the trout have moved extremely shallow. Uh, so again, if you're out there at the mountain lake, same thing at Intero, if you're doing a hand launch, uh, all of our fish are moving shallow in all the mountain lakes that I have been at, same as Delaney Butte. Uh, so that's been a huge effect. We're also seeing a, a mega migration of all the browns into all the inlets. Uh, I was at Wellington Lake over the over this past week. At uh, one situation in the inlet, I saw probably over a thousand fish moving up into inlets to get ready to spawn. Uh, same thing at 11 Mile. All the browns are piling in these inlets to go through their spawn. So a lot of opportunity those big browns. Uh, and our water is approaching that magic 55 degrees for our pike. Uh, which is probably the best temperature of the entire year. The October 55-degree mark uh, is literally the staple for trophy pike here in Colorado. So that bite's in effect as well. All right, Nate, we're going to let you go, but it sounds like there's a lot going on. If people want more information, how do they find you? Absolutely. Go to our website, tightlineoutdoors.com. And, again, we encourage everybody to join our live feed Tuesday evening, uh, bowtecharchery.com. Uh, again, we'll answer all your questions and hopefully make you a more educated and more successful hunter. All right, Nate, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. You bet. Nate Zielinski. Perry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. We're going right to the phones. And joining us, you hear him. Uh, come on this show and talk fishing a lot. He's actually filled in as a host and had guests like Al Linder. He's part of Camp Fish, the the, the old in fisherman program that he helps. Re, he's helping revitalize. But he's also an avid waterfowl hunter, and he's run several calling contests and been very much involved in that sport. And that's Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. Um, beautiful day out. It's probably a good day that we're not out for opening day of duck or goose season because they'd be flying pretty high today, Brad. You know, I, I think they were, but I, I was able, I wasn't able to make it out this morning, but I did make a few phone calls to some guys that were out. And I think the front that came in yesterday pushed some new birds in and the guys that were out have had pretty good success. The lot of keel have moved in in the last week or so. Now, I'm going to admit that my waterfall actual personal hunting in Colorado is very limited. I did a, a bunch of it in, uh, when I lived up in Minnesota. There's just so many things. You can't do it all. I know you've really studied it and experienced it here. Tell us what, what's going on and what the waterfall, ad, you know, maybe new or experienced, can, can expect over the next few weeks here. Well, let's start first with the seasons in Colorado. In our state, we've got uh, on the central flyway, and that's from the Continental Divide East, we've got three different zones. The mountain foothill zone opened last weekend, and you need to check the regulations to see which zone you're in. Uh, the northeast zone, which is roughly um, east of I-25 and north of I-70, opened this weekend. And then the southeast zone doesn't open for a couple more weeks. But with this these friends coming in, what's going to happen is the people I'm talking to up in Canada, the birds are, have already started their migration a little bit earlier than the last few years. Like like you were talking with Nate, it seems like the elk or the ruts more in the traditional way. It looks like our duck migration is kind of doing that as well. So each front that we have coming through is going to be pushing some new birds in. 
And I think it's going to be a fantastic opportunity for people to get out, particularly on the smaller, calm waters like the ponds, uh, backwater sloughs along the river. That's where these birds are going to hit first and where you can be real successful. Now, is there a lot of access to hunt waterfall in Colorado? I think a lot of people are under the misnomer that there aren't many places because of our either it's private land or it's um, we've got a lot of uh, development in those areas. But there are a lot of areas that you wouldn't you'd be surprised how close to development they are that allow shotgun hunting for waterfall. There are. And I tell you what, this is one thing that the Colorado Parks and Wildlife has done an absolutely phenomenal job for, particularly up in that northeast zone along the South Platte River. There's tons of river bottom that they've either purchased or leased. And then they also have a lot of seasonal ponds. And these ponds are the areas that I would tell you to go to, the Andrick State Wildlife area, uh, Jackson, Brush Prairie Ponds, Red Lion. These are all areas that have water in them, shallow ponds. They'll probably freeze up by early November. So now's the time to get in there. Some of them are reservation, which is really nice that it's, you don't have as much, uh, the issue of having to get out there at 2 o'clock in the morning to try and save your spot. If you call and get a reservation, that spot is yours for that that day until you leave. So um, you can make reservations two weeks in advance or keep calling up to see if anyone cancels. I, I That's one of my favorite places to to hunt in the state, particularly uh, Andrick's a great spot and Brush Prairie Ponds. Two now, phenomenal locations. Is it easy to find that reservation location on the website? On the website and then also in the back of the um, small game and waterfowl brochure, they've got all the information about how to do the reservations, the call-in system. You do have to have a CID number when you call in. They're going to ask for a license plate number on the vehicle that's going to be there to park. You can bring up to four people along with you. Simple process. Takes about five minutes. Um, the difficult thing on Monday mornings can be, you know, just getting through because they only have a limited number of operators handling the information and a lot of people calling in. But take a look because a lot of those properties have weekday opportunities, whether it's a Monday or a Wednesday as well. And those things get as much pressure, and the hunting can just be just as phenomenal. If, if the people have the Brush Prairie Pond Reservation coming up this Monday, man, that there's some real lucky hunters right now. Well, you know, and obviously the weather, you know, we always talk about, you know, a little bit of inclement weather makes the birds fly lower, stay in the water a little longer. Um, a couple things I want to talk to you about. First of all, is are we still seeing a lot of resident birds? You said we're seeing some migration. Are they actually showing up? Are they on their way? Or are we still hunting resident birds? We've got most of our resident birds are still here, and we're just on the front end of the migration. So what we're starting to see migration-wise are the teal, a few widgeons and gadwalls showing up. The big push on widgeons and gadwalls and wood ducks is usually about October 15th or right in that time frame. And then we'll have our later migrating birds, our mallards show up in big numbers, usually somewhere there's a push around Halloween and another push right around Thanksgiving time. So we are right on the leading edge of that migration push. But the good thing is we haven't had much weather to push our local, our resident birds out. So we're actually at a really good number of birds to get out there and uh, try hunting. Now, do you see that, and I, 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 this is just uh, 
anecdotal evidence, but I seem to see a lot more geese that migrate through Colorado than ducks. Do you think that's true? You know, over the last 30, 40 years, it seems as though we've had more of a push of geese come through and our duck numbers have dropped a little bit. But the state's doing some effort to try and increase the hunting opportunities for the ducks. The other thing that's really affected us, we've had a drought north of us for about the last 10 to 15 years. And so a lot of times those ducks seem to move just a little bit further east. Now, right now, this year, it seems as though we've got just enough water north of us that we're getting back more to that traditional migration path. And so, you know, the ducks may be a little bit more spotty and it may take a, a little bit more scouting, but the opportunity on public lands is a lot better for ducks than it is for geese. All right. One last question. I want to change gears on. We only got about a minute left, but I know you've also been out on the water. We got two good days here, and then we're going to get that cold front, which I think is really going to trigger the fall bite to take off. But if you're going somewhere this weekend, where would you go fishing? You know, I think there's two spots that I would head to. I would head either to Chatfield or to Boyd. Both of them have uh, a good fall spooning bite, like you were talking about at the uh, end of the last hour. That spooning, jigging wrap bite is really starting to turn on. The cold morning, we had a fairly cold morning this morning. It seems like with these bites, the morning bite's been a little bit better than the afternoon. There is a good afternoon bite for your panfish as the water warms back up. So those would be the two spots that I'd try. All right. Brad, I'm going to let you go. And we're, once again, for you guys who want to get out and try spooning these walleyes for the first time, my my beautiful boss and wife, Karen, is going to post a link to a video with Tom Bruno and I that did that just on Lake Pueblo so you can get some information. Brad, we'll talk to you again very soon. Thanks for joining us today. All right. Thanks, Terry. Have a good day. You bet. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Fish Company's Honey Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. We're going to go right to the phones. Joining me from Colorado Clays is Doug Kraft. And, Doug, you know, we've been talking a lot of hunting today, and the, the seasons are, some of them have started. The rest are going to be honest with just a, a couple weeks or a week or two. And you and I both know there are people taking their rifle or shotgun out of their safer closet today as we talk wondering if they should sight it in or shoot it. And we can help them. Yes, absolutely. And we highly encourage that. Uh, make sure you're accurate. Make good, clean kill. And also for their information, we're offering sight-in clinics the next two Sundays at 8 o'clock in the morning. And they can just get a hold of us on our phone, 303-659-7117, or shoot us an email at coloradoclays.com, and we'll get them signed up for that. But that's a great help. Well, that sighting clinic, let's talk about it in a minute. You know, a lot of people, if they're taking their guns out now, they haven't been shooting it enough. They probably don't know if their scope's still mounted tight, if their reticles are good. They don't even know if the gun's action's working or certainly if it's zeroed in. And because they haven't been shooting now, they want, they, they're going to have to come in and make sure they get it done right, and they're not going to have a lot of time. And what all do you offer at this clinic? Because it really is geared to help them. Well, we'll just take a basic overview of the rifle just to make sure the scope's mounted properly and tight. And as you said, the reticles are good, not cracked or loosed where they've lost some gas. And then we'll just sit down with them and start, start on a 50-yard target and get them on paper and then get them zeroed in at 100. Yeah, and it's, you know, if you're, if you're out by yourself trying to do it or if you go somewhere where you don't have any help, 
Um, and, and there's something wrong that you're not picking up. It can really be difficult, and then you're going to be panicked. Or if there's something wrong with your firearm, at least you guys can help pick it out, and they can get it fixed and come back before the season starts because I see so many people in a panic this time of the year, Doug. They just need to avoid that. So when avoid that. When are these clinics again? They're the next two Sundays. We offer one tomorrow and then the two following Sundays. All right. And then and so as there's openings, just go to the website to find out more? Yes, go to the website. We'd like them to sign up ahead of time so we have a list of uh, guests that are coming out. They can call or hit the website. Perfect. Now, something else. We just talked about waterfowl hunting, and uh, people need to get out and practice for that. It's going on, but it's going to really get into full swing here pretty soon. I also want to talk about Upland Game, but I think you just partnered with somebody in the waterfowl arena, didn't you? Yes, we're very excited. We just partnered up with Haven Sporting Club, and you can check them out. They have some of the most fantastic waterfowl and upland burn shooting around, and just go to info at havensporting.com, and they'll take great care of you. And I think, don't, don't you get a few, uh, an, with a membership or whatever, you get a little bit of an ability to come shoot at Colorado Clays, is that right? Yes, that's one of the perks on their membership. They're offering some sporting clays and trap shooting for their guests. Right, and now, people, we want to make sure you're clear. You don't have to be a member to shoot at Colorado Clays, but being a member at Haven gives you some free access that comes with your membership. So yes. we want to make sure they understand that. And, you know, speaking, um, we had Bob Hicks on from Pheasants Forever, and he said that um, while the Dakotas look like they might be down in Montana, Kansas looks real good. Nebraska looks real good, and eastern Colorado looks especially good this year, except for a couple spots for pheasants and quail, and that's going to be honest before we know it. And waterfall, uh, Brad Peterson, you were probably listening, he feels like it's going to be a pretty good waterfall season that we're into. But once again, people, you only get so many times to pull the trigger when that bird is in the air. You need to come in and sharpen your shotgun skills. Yes, and we highly encourage that. Um, and you're right, pheasant season starts here November 11th, east of I-25, so it's right around the corner. And what we'd suggest for a great warm-up would be our wobble trap. It not only oscillates side to side, similar to American trap, but also up and down. And it presents a target that is in a variation of different levels, just like a bird flushing, similar to a bird flushing, and you can start at 16 yards or move back to 27 yards and get a closer or longer shot to dial in on it. Well, one of the things that's great about your place, too, you have the skeet, you have the trap and the wobble trap, so you have all these varieties of type of shots, but then you have the sporting clays, and I think a lot of people think that when you do a sporting clays course, you have to shoot the whole course. Now, if I'm a duck hunter, I might want to find a station or two that closely simulate uh, a bird coming in, which is different than an upland game shot would be and and now i can find that and i can actually spend quite a bit of time on that station right absolutely you can shoot we just charge by the number of targets that you shoot some people shoot 50 and most of them shoot 100 and we do have shots and presentations set up just so you can practice for this we kind of stay up with the seasons and try to offer that to our guests now what are the prices i think a lot of people think well if i go to a shotgun club to shoot it's expensive for trap and skeet what do you charge well, again, we do not charge a membership. For trap and skeet, a round of shooting is 25 shots, and that's $7. And then the sporting clays, a normal round is 100 and that's $38. So it's really inexpensive. And do you need reservations? Can you just show up, Doug? What's the best way? You can just show up. Uh, we suggest you look at our calendar on the website so we don't have a, 
a conflict with any large events that we're doing in the fall, which we do many of them right now, and just open to the public six days a week. We're closed on Tuesdays. Well, and the last thing I got to ask you is, you getting a little itchy for Upland game for pheasants? I know you love doves, but what about quail and pheasants? Yes, I am. I'm getting excited. Uh, and I've heard the same report you have. I have some very good friends in the Dakotas, and they have said the same thing. But uh, we're looking at hitting a little bit in eastern Colorado and then some heavy uh, Kansas hunting. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be. It looks like we're in the right place at the right time this year for the Upland game. Sounds yes. like good. They need to get out Colorado Clays. Best way to find you, coloradoclays.com. Yep, coloradoclays.com, or give us a call at 303-659-7117. We'd love to talk to you. All right, Doug, thank you. We'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks. My pleasure. Take care. You bet. Doug uh, Doug Kraft from Colorado Clays. What great people they are. Just tremendous individuals. I love the people out there. Speaking of good people, you know, there's a Colorado company was formed right here in Aurora. You hear me bragging about their product all the time. And uh, joining me from Honey Smoke Fish Company is... Uh, Spencer Mason. Good morning, Spencer. Morning, Terry. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing great. And people probably get tired, Spencer, because I tell them every week about how good your salmon is um, and how good for you it is. But it, it it's just the truth. It really is. I mean, it's hard finding products nowadays that, you know, taste so good and it's so good for you, just like you're saying. Well, you know, I, I always tell people, even though I'm young and energetic, which I'm not, but I, as I get older, I have to eat better and work out more to stay active. And I almost yeah. feel like I'm cheating when I eat Honey Smoke Fish Company smoked salmon because it tastes so good. It, I, I, can't, I have trouble convincing myself it's good for me, but it really is, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it really is. And that's the thing, too, is there's no age group that you know the honey smoked fish honey smoked salmon doesn't apply to you know for for children moms can throw in their lunches at school you know for a healthier option or you know after school for sports and like you're saying as well for older people i mean it has a such a high concentration of omegas that you know so good for your brain it's heart healthy and i mean just because it doesn't have a strong fishy taste either you can throw it throw it in any dish that you make, you know, it will complement any dish you put it in. Oh, it's a great as an ingredient. You know, my problem using it in an ingredient, Spencer, though, is that when I use it as an ingredient, I eat too much of it before I get the dish made. Oh, I know. So I have to buy two packages. (laughs) (laughs) One so you can open it and just eat it right away, and one that you can actually use in your dishes, you know, right? Yeah, you know, and the other thing, the other thing that I always tell people, you know, if you go to the grocery store, you look in the refrigerated section, and you'll see the price on the package, and it looks like Honey Smoke Fish Company salmon is expensive. But when you look at the price per ounce, you guys are about half the price of the other smoked fish. But you have to put that big piece in there because people are going to eat it all. Well, I mean, it's like addictive, if anything. If we put a small piece in there, you know, people will not be too happy with just how little they get. And the thing that's so amazing about it, too, is it's very cost-effective. You know, our salmon is so highly concentrated that a little bit goes a long way. So, for example, you know, for me, if I'm making, a, like, a Caesar salad with it, and if I would normally use about six ounces of other smoked salmon, I would only need about two to three ounces of ours of the honey-smoked salmon to fulfill the same taste, nutrients, and texture in the salad or any dish I put it in. Well, and yours is going to taste so much better. For people who don't even like smoked salmon, they need to try Honey Smoked. Spencer, where can they find it? They can find us at King Supers, Safeway, Sprouts, Costco, and uh, 
city market and also Sam's Club as well. All right. Hey, Spencer, thank you for joining us. Hopefully people will get will just listen to me. And just if they try one package, they're going to love it. Oh, they will. It's just a matter of trying it, you know. All right. Thanks, Spencer. Thank you, Terry. Appreciate it. You bet. Terry Wixham Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. It is time for our Ask the Expert segment. And this is where you send your question in, and it can be anything outdoors, fishing, hunting, camping, outdoor cooking, outdoor clothing. If we choose to answer your question on the air, you get a $25 gift card just for sending it in. Now you send them to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors at Gmail. Send your outdoor questions to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors at Gmail, and you, if we answer it on the air, you get a $25 gift card from Sportsman's. Today's question is from Steve in Fort Collins. He goes, I need new hunting boots. So many different brands all make claims about their product that it's hard to sort through. What features are important in modern hunting boots and how do you compare things like temp ratings, breathability, and waterproofing? So joining us to answer that question from uh, the Sportsman's Warehouse in Thornton, um, we have Ellie Stillman. Good morning, Ellie. Good morning, Terry. And so you heard the question, and you're from the, the footwear department at Sportsman's, right? Yes. And we, we and I chatted a little bit about this, and this is such an important subject because Boy, if you get this wrong and your feet are uncomfortable, it makes for a miserable hunt or a miserable experience outdoors, no matter what you're doing. So somebody walks in, they're looking for new hunting boats. Now, he didn't say what he was hunting for, so we can we, we can get kind of general. But I, because he asked about temperature, I'm going to think elk. So what's the first thing? I walk in, I say, Ellie, I'm looking for new hunting boots. What are the first questions you're going to ask me? Oh, if you're hunting for elk, I guess the next question I would ask is, are you really active or do you like to sit and wait for it? And, um, and if you, go ahead. If you're active, you want a, a lower temperature rating, so a 200 gram. If you're really not so active, you want more to the 400, 800, 1200 grams. And that's of insulation, and that makes a huge difference in how it keeps your feet warm. But it can also, too much of it when you're active is could make your feet sweat. I mean, it probably makes it a little more difficult for them to breathe. Would that be right? Oh, you're very right. Now, one of the things I tell people uh, and about trying a boot on is to get the right socks you're going to wear when they come in to try the fit. Too many socks are too bad. One thing before we even get to the boot, I was telling them, never wear cotton <laughs> socks when you're outdoors. Yeah, we do not recommend cotton socks at all. People don't understand how much moisture they hold. A good wool sock or a good synthetic sock will just add to the comfort and warmth of your boot, won't it? Exactly. Now, so after we've determined maybe maybe the 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 insulation I need and a, a highly insulated boot, what kind of temperatures will those protect me to? The 400 gram is, I believe, it's rated closer to the negative 40 temperature. I mean, obviously, Colorado doesn't get that low in temperature usually, but I re- like 200 gram would be negative 20, 400 would be negative 40, and then so on. 
Okay. And you have a selection of all these at the store. And, you know, somebody's going to help them through this process. What about a low boot versus a high boot? When do you recommend those? The high boot, I would recommend mostly in the tough terrain with more rocks, more water that you'll be walking through. Um, the lower the lower boot will be more recommended for, let's say, the antelope territory where there's not that much rocks, not that much water, but you still want to protect your ankle. What about breathability and material? What do I look for? I mean, I'm sure there's both natural and synthetic materials. Does one seem better than the other, one more expensive? How do you approach that? Well, I always recommend the leather boots just because they will have more durability towards everything. But it's really up to your preference if you want synthetic or leather. Leather will be a lot more waterproof. And what about, you can get boots with Gore-Tex, but you were telling me when I talked to you earlier that um, Gore-Tex boots do have that waterproof layer, but a lot of boots that don't have Gore-Tex still have incredible waterproofing or water resistance. They do, the higher brands especially. Now, in the synthetics, if you don't have Gore-Tex, you can't really treat those like you can leather, can you? Not, a, not really. So, um, go ahead. You can treat boots with Gore-Tex. You just have to get the special waterproofing for it. But up to every six months or a year, it depends on how often you want to re-waterproof. And then what about the leather boots? What should I do with those? Leather boots, I recommend mink oil or any waterproofing that is good for leather. It'll also treat it plus waterproof it. And treating it with mink oil not only waterproofs it, but it softens it too, doesn't it? Exactly. Now, what about, speaking of that, a break-in period? Now, if I'm going hunting next week or in a couple of weeks, I better get those boots right away because you really do need to break them in, don't you? You do, just to prevent blisters. Um, recommend to wear it around the house or throughout your day, two to three hours a day, especially if you're going hunting in a week or two weeks. And then really get that time in, and you'll feel, and I think they break in a little easier if they have some mink oil treatment on them. Oh, yeah, Definitely. What, what kind of brands and what kind of price range? You know, if I'm looking for a hunting boot, you know, somebody comes in, you know, they, they probably have a budget. So first of all, you got how much money do you have to spend? And then what can you get for that price and what could you get for the next price up? How do you deal with that and what's available? We do have the lower end boots, but if you want the durability, the range you would find the most of the higher brand will be between 150 and 200 and what kind of light? I know it depends on how often you wear it, what do you do to it, but can people expect to get a years of use out of a boot like that? You definitely can rely on that. And then what any particular brands you recommend? I strongly recommend Irish Setter and Banner. And those are available right at your, do you carry a variety of styles and sizes right there? Yes. And so the best thing, obviously, is to come in and talk to you folks because this guy could have been a waterfall hunter. He could have been a pheasant hunter. We don't know. But I think the thing we're trying to get across is there's a range. Now, I'll tell you a personal experience. I just had at your Thornton store where you're there. You weren't there mm -hmm. at the time, but I came in. I was going to buy a new pair of uh, Gore-Tex fishing shoes to wear in the boat. I wanted something lightweight, and I wanted mm -hmm. something waterproof. So if I slip my rain suit on and the water's running down my legs, it wasn't just going to get soaked right away, but that I could wear through the day and not be heavy. 
and I had picked out a pair, and I was looking at them. Where your salesperson came up, he said, "You know, those are great." He goes, "They're going to last you, but you're going to last a couple of years. You're going to be in here looking for another pair." He said, "I got some Keens over here. You should try on. They're not that much more expensive. They're going to last you years. They're just going to be more comfortable." And and he was so right. I tried them on. They were just perfect. I've worn them for several months this season, and it just shows that having a little help because sometimes you walk in with a mindset and you're really not sure what you should do. And that's why you try to have helpful people in those departments at all times. It is very helpful. Now you have a sale going on. Are some of these brands you recommended involved in this hunting sale that's going on? Yes, we have um, Danner, uh, I believe the Irish Setter, and then we also have for the waterfowl hunters, our lacrosse boot is advertised on our sale. And what kind of savings will people see on those? Generally around $50.00. $50 $50 off would be the best one. All right. Well, uh, Ellie, thank you for being our expert today and helping people get some information on boots. No problem, Terry. Thank you. All right. That's Ellie from the Thornton store. Um, that was our Ask the Expert question for the day. And what we do, again, send your question in to us. It can be fishing, hunting, camping. It can be outdoor cooking. We've had, you know, Dutch oven questions. It can be outdoor clothing. How do you layer What do you wear? What kind of socks do you buy? It can be what kind of lure, what kind of equipment, anything outdoors, or binoculars if you're just going out bird watching. We don't care what your outdoor activity is, but send us your questions. Send them to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors at Gmail, all right? When we get that, those questions, I go through them, and here's how we approach that. If we're getting a lot of questions on relative to one subject, Not only do we probably pick one of those for our Ask the Expert, but we know we've got to do some programming. So we'll talk to Nate and Ronnie and Chad and all the guys and say, hey, let's do some programming around this. This is obviously something people need a little more education on. We should cover it. So it helps us with programming. Sometimes I'll even take it so far as to cover it in my column in the Denver Post every week. If we answer your particular personal question on the air, you get a $25 gift card from Sportsman's Warehouse just for sending the question in. You don't have to listen, which we hope you will. You certainly you don't have to join us. But we'll acknowledge to you that your question was used. They'll contact you and send you the gift card. You don't even have to come in and pick it up. So send your outdoor questions. Probably put in the title, Ask the Expert, although we read through all the emails, to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors at Gmail. Speaking of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, remember, join this program every Saturday morning from 9 to 11. And follow us on Facebook. Facebook is the way we keep you appraised of the topics we're covering, of special things coming up. Like if very soon Karen will be posting on Facebook that the director of Parks and Wildlife is coming up. She also just gave me a thumbs up because earlier I asked her to post a a video that we posted quite some time ago on our YouTube channel about the spoon bite that's going on places like Pueblo and and um, Boyd and up in the Wyoming lakes. So if you go to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook right now, you can click and watch that video and it'll teach you about this spoon bite that is just taking off. It's going to be so good for so long. And also, scroll down a little bit. You're going to find my Denver Post column from last week where I talked about the lake trout bite. That is getting into full swing. So there's so much going on in the outdoors. Join us every Saturday. I want to say thanks to Kyle, thanks to Karen in the control room for helping me stay on track and making me look kind of good. Join us every week. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.